Well, good morning once again. Kia ora. Um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, over the Christmas time, um, we had lots of occasions to eat. We actually had four Christmas dinners, and uh, we had one with my own kids and, and the like, because they had to disperse to other families before Christmas, and then we had Christmas Day, and we met with my, my, my side of the family and had a big luncheon, and then we gathered with some friends who were at a bit of a loose end on the evening, and we had another big meal, and then two days later, we met with my wife's family, and we had another big meal, and uh, I don't know if, if, how many of you can beat that, how many of you had more than four Christmas dinners? Well, uh, yeah, I don't want to really do that again, but Michaela was reading through this recipe book, and um, a couple of days later, and she said, hey, do you know that you can identify whether you're eating healthy or not by how much colour is on your plate? And uh, I thought, oh, that's a pretty simple idea. I said, don't worry, honey, I'll cook for dinner tonight. And so I organised um, <laughs> organized a really, really healthy, healthy meal. Uh, I haven't been asked to cook again. But um, one interesting fact about, fact about M&Ms is, um, this is going to upset a few of you, is that there is no difference in taste between any of them. Now, some of you think, oh, the green ones taste best, or the... See? <laughs> right. There we go. Now, I've really disappointed you. You won't, you won't remember anything else that I say for the rest of the morning because you'll be in this despair, won't you, about the fact that you thought one tasted different to the other, but your taste buds have been deceiving you. Well, this morning I'm going to talk about blessing. The book of Psalms starts off with this saying, it says, blessed is the one. So, blessed is the one. It's it's sort of like a question, isn't it? The book of Psalms, 150 songs that are written there and recorded there for, uh, for worship purposes and for learning about God, and they start off with that, that saying, blessed is the one. And so it's a question. Well, who is blessed? Who is blessed? Blessed is the one. Well, society would tell us that we're blessed for lots of different reasons. And uh, maybe if you've uh, made a hit on social media, that you're blessed these days, okay? So if you've got people who are following you on Twitter, following you on Instagram, maybe they're reading your blog all the time, uh, you're, you're, you're a somebody, okay? It can be a complete fabrication of the truth, but you're a somebody, okay? And 30% of 16-year-olds surveyed think that one day they will make it big on social media, okay? So this is an aspirational goal for a lot of people, to be discovered, to somehow have... Something happened in your life that is so worthy of everybody else's attention that they're just going to crawl all over you and you'll be somebody who markets products and they just pour money all over you just to make sure that your face is seen. Uh, unfortunately, it won't be the case, I suspect, but it may happen. Uh, blessing in another way from the world's perspective is uh, to be fit and to be healthy. We got a couple of staff to post these photos to, earlier in the week. Um, I won't tell you who. Um, um, but the worship of youthfulness is something that society really aspires to. So it is a worship cult. There's so much driven towards this idea of, of being beautiful is better. Uh, I think the simple reality is that it's all relative, isn't it? You know, the older you get, beauty is defined by different things. I think when you're 80 years old and you've got all your own teeth, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, beauty is, beauty is relative. Of course, to be blessed means that you have plenty of money. And uh, 
people have this idea that if you get a piece of the action, you're going to have peace. If you get a piece of the action, you're going to have peace. Well, that's not the case because there are plenty of people who have got plenty of money who are living sad and miserable, isolated, lonely lives because they're drawn into this myth that he who dies with the most toys wins and that you can take it with you. You know, you can take it with you. The simple truth is that life is built around relationships and people who have made a lot of money at the price of those relationships, they will be way poorer than people who, who barely get by. So let's go back and have a look at this, this start to the uh, book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. We're going to have a look at that. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take will sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. Well, it's a fascinating way to open up a book, which is really like a cathedral of worship for us, isn't it? The book of Psalms is just this outstanding book that just opens up this imagery of worship. And it begins with, blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked. And so here we're being told right at the beginning that you're blessed based upon the company that you keep. You're blessed based upon the company that you keep. Uh, when I was uh, first out of school working in a bank, I had a friend of mine ring me up. He'd only just left school a couple of years before as well. Uh, a friend of mine, Paul, and he goes, um, hey, Craig, I've got to ask you a question. He said, um, how much money do you earn? And I said, oh, and I told him what my salary was. And I said, what do you want to know? And he says, well, I've applied for a job as a salesman. And I have to write down the salaries of four or five people who I spend a lot of time with. And I said, oh, what, what's that got to do with anything? And he said, well, basically they say the, the wealthier that my friends are, the harder I'll work to sell things to aspire to the lifestyle that they have. He didn't get the job. Yeah. So... Um, what I'm saying here is that who you are defines a lot of the outcomes in your life. Now, I know when I went to secondary school, having left the little nurturing bubble of the Tapuna Primary School, I went off to the big, ooh, big Tarawonga Boys College, and my parents were very interested in the friends that I made because they knew full well that the friends that I made would have an impact upon me, and so they understandably asked questions about who these friends were, who their parents were, whether their brothers were in jail or not, all those sort of questions, actually legitimate in some cases. Um, and being a parent, I too had the same questions for my kids. Who are you hanging out with? You know, what are their goals? What do they do with their lives? Et cetera, et cetera, because you know that that has an impact upon you as an individual. Uh, but the second thing that we're told is, which you probably think should be the first thing, funnily enough, is that it's one who meditates upon the things of God. And in this setting, we're talking about an Old Testament life, meditating upon the law of God. Uh, clearly, if we were to translate this into a New Testament setting, which we legitimately can, you'd be concentrating, focusing on the things of Jesus. So that's understandable. A person who is going to be blessed is somebody who thinks about, meditates upon the things of Jesus. Makes sense, eh? And then they'll be planted like a tree right next to uh, a river. Essentially, that's what's being said here. And it'll produce fruit in its season. The imagery that I get into my mind 
uh, when I read this, is, is uh, Central Otago in the middle of summer. Central Otago in the middle of summer is golden brown, except for these strings of trees that follow the rivers, usually willow trees. They seem to thrive quite well in that environment. And these willow trees are green, thriving. They don't produce fruit, literally, but they're very, very healthy. And so the image that we're told to hold on to here is that if we invest in good relationships, if we invest in the things of God, we too will be people who prosper in season and out of season. But it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to become filthy rich or have uh, beautiful bodies or be famous on social media. What it means is that we'll be blessed at a level, at the depth of our soul, which gives us the ability to move through life in a way that has joy, that has peace, that has purpose, and it gives us a deep, deep eternal security. That's what being blessed means, because when we compare the psalm, the first three verses to the next three verses, we end up like this. It says, Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. What we, we do know, we all know, is that ultimately, if you're the person who goes around setting relationships on fire, uh, dissing or dismissing other people, causing problems, then you will be like chaff that is ultimately blown out of any social circle because you are somebody who's disruptive, you're somebody who causes problems. Okay? It's, it's easy to understand, isn't it? But at a divine level as well, if we're ignoring the things of God, uh, God said that his blessing won't be on us. Ultimately, we'll face judgment, and that judgment will be a very defined judgment in many different ways, this side of the grave and the other side of the grave. So we ask the question, what does blessing look like? Well, if it's not a whole stack of money, if it's not a six-pack ripped of abs, okay, if it's not fame and fortune on social media, what does fame actually look like from a biblical context? Because blessing, blessing is something that's sort of different for each person, isn't it? You know, you can be blessed in ways that are peculiar to you. But I just want to build a picture here. Uh, this is a bit of an odd place to find it, but it's out of the, out of, uh, the prophet Zechariah. And I'm going to show you an image, if you like, a word picture. Uh, Zechariah was... In Babylon, this is the, the second uh, great, I suppose, judgment from God where the tribes of Judah and Benjamin were taken uh, into Babylon, into captivity. And Zechariah is the prophet amongst them, or one of them, and he said to them, you need to build your houses. We're going to be here a while. Which is a tough word to bring, isn't it? You need to build your houses. We're going to be here a while. They would have been building or living in tents, thinking that they're going to be released to go back to their homeland. But no, no, they're going to be here a while. Build your houses. But then he offers this image of what the future will be when God forgives and restores these two tribes and they get a chance to go back to Zion, back to Jerusalem. And I'd like you to see what he says because I think this is what blessing looks like. It's not, it doesn't have a huge wow factor, but I want you to hear this. This is what the Lord says, I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem, 
And Jerusalem will be called the faithful city and the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each of them with cane in hand because of their age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. Pretty simple stuff, isn't it? But when we look at this, there is a power of blessing in that description of people getting old. Did you know that getting old is a blessing? Just find the scriptures. Just open the scriptures and you'll find getting old is a blessing. And here's a picture of people elderly in their canes leaning over. You know that, that, old, that image of old people? But also children playing in the streets. And the picture of a healthy society is built around or measured by what we do with the most vulnerable people in our society. And who's the most vulnerable? The elderly. Who's the most vulnerable? The children. And so here we've got a picture of Jerusalem with all the generations of people. In other words, these folks haven't gone to war and lost a generation of men in war. They're safe in the streets. They're safe to go out at night. This is, sounds really, this sounds really like a, a picture for us, but it's very similar to what we experience here in New Zealand, isn't it? I know uh, friends from um, places like South Africa tell me that it's an unusual feeling for them to come and take their children to school and they jump out of the car and they run across the street, across the playground, and uh, run into the, into the classroom because they're used to taking their children by the hand and leading them through and giving them to the teacher or to be in a home that's not bolted down, locked down um, in, a, in a confined area, maybe with security, around the f- security fencing around it. We take for granted what is already a blessing for us here in New Zealand. Um, different experiences that I've had, particularly overseas, come from uh, my time in, in Europe, particularly Latin Europe, Spain, Italy, Greece, places like that. Their countries are built around a very different social system. We all think that they're very similar, but they're not. You see, in New Zealand, when we were developed as a European country, what happened was the farmers would go and get a bit of land, build their house, and then down the road a mile, another farmer would get a bit of land, build the house. And the reason why we did this is because we weren't scared about the marauding hordes coming over from the neighbouring valley to take us out. Whereas Europe, that was pretty common practice. If you were bored on a Saturday, you'd go and pillage the neighbours. And so what, what happened is these villagers would build their houses together. And then they would go out into the fields and work, but always come back to the safety. Now, the beauty of that is it develops community. And I don't know if any of you have been through these sort of towns, but in the evening, 7 o'clock onwards, the towns come alive. It's like this sort of family, neighborly love fest that goes on. Seriously. All generations are there in the square, they're all greeting one another, hugging one another, talking about the day. Children are sitting on the grandparents' knees. You know, the older people are being looked after. Somebody are getting something to drink or something to eat. And this lasts for a couple of hours, and then everybody just slowly, quietly disappears. Have any of you experienced that before? Some of you from those Latin countries? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. What a blessing, eh? What a blessing. Now, the reason why I cite this is because we can overstate what blessing is. Blessing is relationships done well intergenerationally. Blessings is the ability to be healthy and happy in your home, 
safe. And this picture that Zechariah provides here is exactly that, a picture of safety, a picture of blessing. One of the things I'd just like to touch on too is that at, um, oops, something's going wrong here. Now we're fighting each other. There we go. That's what I wanted. That's us, by the way. Um, I was having a chat with one of the elders of our church down at the night before Christmas event that we held before Christmas on the Bethlehem College, uh, Lanier Gould. And um, one of her, well, actually her only daughter, one of their kids, um, had been serving as, a, as an angel. We dress up the younger kids as an angel, right? They go around giving candy canes and things like that. And uh, Lanier and I were talking, and we both had this realization that for her kids, her family's been in the church for about 12 or 13 years, um, the experience of being in a church which has influence upon society is her experience. The kids don't know any different. Oh, we're, we're a church, and we run an event in the city for the city, attracts you know, 10,000 plus people. And for those kids, they see that as normal church life the church blessing, impacting community around them. And so it is that we stop and we have to measure and say, wow, we once again can say that we're blessed. Blessed because not only do we live in a safe city, but we live in a place that is blessed by the things of God, we're nurtured by his word, and we have the ability to raise our families in an environment where we can continue to trust people around us and build godly relationships. So, Paul also put it this way, sorry, Peter also put it this way. He said, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. If you read it sort of from the bottom up, it sort of tells you of your story. You've received mercy from God. You were once not God's children, but now you are. And I know for myself, as somebody who's come to faith in my early 20s, I know what that distinction is like from not being in God's family to being in God's family, to having not experienced his mercy, but receiving his forgiveness. These are powerful things, powerful, powerful things. And we're told that we are God's children, a royal priesthood. One of the things about blessing is that it's very easy to confuse how blessing occurs. And the reason why I've explained to you what I see blessing as being is that that space and place of God's presence, people functioning together well in a relationship, is because we can easily turn blessing into something that is a, uh, like a little secret that we can tap into to download God's goodness to us. Now, 20 years ago, there was a book that was published by a guy called Bruce Wilkinson. Bruce is a very well-known evangelist in the States, great guy. And he put together a little booklet built around a prayer by an Old Testament guy called Jabez. Now, the reason why Bruce did this was because he just wanted people to understand that as God's children, we can pray and God will bless, okay? But what happened is society somehow picked up on this and saw this as a secret code or a secret trapdoor, if you like, into God's blessings. Nine million copies of this book were sold in the States. It was on the New York Times bestsellers list for weeks. It was number one. 
And the whole idea is that society, sorry, what happened is society got the idea that if we pray this prayer of Jabez repeatedly, God will turn up. It's like rubbing that magic genie lamp. Does it make sense? Yeah. Here's the prayer. This is all it says about Jabez in, this whole, in the whole scripture, actually. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Okay, so his name's not particularly flash. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, and this is his prayer. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. So there's the prayer, okay? But what I read, even retrospectively 20 years on from when this book was released, is that people took it as a mantra in some sort of Buddhist fashion. A mantra that if you prayed this prayer and put your name in it, that would somehow cause God to act on your behalf. Okay? So people were saying, I read it 10 times a day, and I prayed it 10 times a day, and this happened. And then I prayed it 100 times a day, and this happened. Well, if God is really like that, he's more of a machine, really, than, than God, isn't he? You know, and this is the secret passageway to blessing. It'd be a little bit like this. If you got out of bed in the morning and started chanting my name, Craig, 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 in the hope that I would turn up one day and mow your lawns, <laughs> chances are it's not going to happen. But if you invite me around for a meal... If we go fishing together, if we spend some time together, we get to know each other, we become friends and understand one another, and then I see the need and I turn up and mow your lawns one day, that's how blessing works. And the same with the Christian, in the Christian context, the relationship with God is the most vital and important thing. I told you you're disappointed about finding out that M&Ms don't taste <laughs> different. <laughs> He's counselling room out the back. <laughs> Shouldn't say that. Um, maybe they read the book of Jabez. But, um, so what it is, it's a relationship with God. It's not a formula. Blessing is not a formula. Okay? And this is a really important thing for us to understand when we're talking about blessing. It's not a formula. Blessing comes out of a relationship with God. Always has, always will do. So the question, though, that I want to ask is this, is that blessing must be more comprehensive than circumstances. I'll get blessed. There we go. Blessing must be more comprehensive than circumstances. Your ability to measure blessing in your life must be bigger than just whether you've got money in the bank this week or whether the boss likes you. All right? It has to be bigger than that. Um, and I just want to take you to a psalm, because we're in psalms, that is bigger than that. Okay, a psalm that you'll be very familiar with. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. 
Now, if you want blessing, take that and slap it on the fridge for 2019 and remind yourself how God sees you. Because it's more important for you to have a revelation of how God sees you than anything else. And from that place, you'll just continue to remind yourself that not only does he see you with this value, but his son Christ, Jesus, died for you. So nothing would separate us from God. That He has paid the price for our sins. So when we find ourselves in this place, what does blessing look like? Let me, I've got a few uh, definitions here of what blessing means. Blessing means disappointment without disillusionment. Yeah, we can be disappointed. Something doesn't go our way, but it doesn't mean it's the end of the road. Yeah, you, you might have lost your job. It doesn't mean your life is over. You might have got a stack of poor NCEA results this last week. It doesn't mean that life is over. Your parents will probably tell you it is. But if you really want to put it in perspective, just ask to see their old school CNUE results and uh, you'll get some perspective. But disappointment doesn't lead to disillusionment because our faith is not in the circumstances. Faith is in God who promises us that he will lead us and guide us and be be um, our God in our lives. Blessed means little without fear. You might not have a great deal. Finances, largely what we're talking about here, but you can have a little without fear. God is the one who sees the sparrow. God is the one who knows every hair on your head. God is the one who knows every prayer that you say before you utter it. So you can trust God that he will continue to pour into your life what it is that you need. Okay? And, and don't be fearful, but just watch God. Just watch God in the miraculous. And I, and I think in my own life, <clears throat> young family, one income, big mortgage, all those normal Kiwi things that we were fortunate enough to have in those days. Um, we saw God's hand in ways that we probably don't experience so much now because it was literally give us today our daily bread at times, you know? Blessed means solitude without loneliness. Some of you here will have lost a spouse. Not at the supermarket, I mean they've died, okay? They've passed away. And, and you're living a life now without that lifelong partner. Or maybe God has called you to be single. You can have loneliness, sorry, solitude without loneliness. For many people, when they lose their spouse... There's a, a deep reorientating of your relationship with God. God becomes so much more personal, so much closer to you. And, and it's a really important thing to understand that you're never alone. Bliss means change without anxiety. Wherever you go, God will go with you. God is going to lead you through changes. You might change city, you might change job, you might get a new contract. You don't have to be anxious about these things because God is saying, I'm walking this through with you. Don't fear about tomorrow. This is a real sign of being blessed. Now, sure, there are things that you might not understand, things that you don't know. Ignorance isn't, um, isn't what I'm trying to describe here, but take away that anxiety because God knows what's ahead. Uh, you can have loss without bitterness. You might um, lose some money on the stock market, okay? 
You might lose some friends as you've shifted city. You can lose, as we all do, um, the vitality of, of our health as we get older. Lose your teeth. <laughs> but, but you don't need to become bitter about these things. You just look to God and say, what's the new season that we're in, God? What can I learn here? I'm a blessed person. What have you got for me? Blessed also means death without despair. We are people with hope, and our hope rolls on beyond the grave. We're told that you know, Jesus said to us that he will never leave us nor he'll forsake us. And he also said, um, I go to prepare a place for you. No eye has seen, no mind has conceived what I prepare for those who love me, Jesus said. So that gives us a place of peace to even navigate into the great unknown when, when death comes upon us. These are huge blessings that give us the ability to live our life fear-free. Can you see what God is trying to do here? He's trying to create a fear-free environment for us that nurtures our soul and gives us the ability to not only uh, be blessed, but to bless others. We don't have to fear. We don't have to fear doing without. And one last one here. It's a little bit of a twist on things. Uh, Blessed means that we can celebrate others' success without jealousy. Yeah, it's really, really vital. I think this is one of the big tests of your own personal security and your understanding that God is with you, not against you. You see somebody else, the neighbor goes off and buys a new truck or a new boat or, you know, wow, good on them. That's awesome that they can enjoy these things. You know, I hope it blesses them. Yeah, really, truly. You know, I, I guess there's one gift that probably 90% of the people in this room would love to have. That would be to sing well, wouldn't it? Because most of us get moved by terrific singers. It wouldn't be amazing if you could have that gift of being able to get up and sing a song that, that really moves people. What a gift that is. What a privileged responsibility that would be. Now, most of us don't have that gift, but when you see it, you go, that is so good. That's so awesome. And awesome in the right use of the term. But it's so easy to be envious or jealous or resentful of somebody else who's doing well, doing things well, getting things done. But here's a, it's a real test, I think, that when you celebrate other people's successes and you can genuinely say, man, I'm so pleased with them that they have experienced this, you know, whatever that this might be, that's a real sign for you that your soul is maturing and you're understanding who you are in Christ. Because you don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. You just receive what God has given you and you can enjoy the, the, the glory that God has put upon others. So let's finish with this, where we started. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. As I say, these are the opening lines to a cathedral of worship, the Psalms. That entrance way, when you go into Psalms and you just find God there in all his glory, with all of this majesty of description 
and song and worship and blessing. It's such a beautiful picture. And that, friends, is where we're allowed to live. That's your home, that cathedral of worship, that place of blessing. Why don't we stand for prayer? God, we, uh, we delight in the fact that whatever we have, you want to give us more. However satisfied our soul will be, you want to deepen that. Whatever blessing you pour upon our neighbors, our friends, our family, you want to help us celebrate that. For Lord, we, we want to have a soul that is blessed by you. A soul that is free of anxiety, free of the fear of change, free of the fear of death, free of disillusionment, because we know that you're the one who goes ahead of us. And as we pause, as we stop, as we meditate in your Psalms, we can find that there have literally been thousands of people who have traveled this journey in Psalms before us. And here we, we join this company and we travel through together exploring you, understanding you, and seeing ourselves reflected in all that you see as good. So Father, we, we ask your blessing to continue to be upon us, a blessing of revelation, which opens our eyes to the land that we live in already, which opens our eyes to what you've already given us, but at the same time, continue to, to bring revelation to us of what and who your son Jesus is to us. And so we ask all of this, Lord, so that we can be in a place where you reveal to us just how loved we are as your children. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.